Welcome to 7 Seconds or Less. This is a podcast about the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. My name is Max McCauley and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. His name is David Ash. David, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. No podcast boy today, Max. Oh, I forgot to throw out podcast boy. Usually <laughs> we do this a little later in the evening. It's, you know, it's like 11 a.m. here right now. I'm not on a game yet. Yeah, it is very nice and early where I am. So uh, this will, Yeah, this what, is be- it, what is it there right now? It is 5.10 a.m. and I've got a flight to catch in a, in a couple of hours, so uh, no one can accuse me of, of not taking time to, to try and get these pods out. No, yeah, we're trying to squeeze them out, especially since we were we were gone for whatever it was, two weeks. And also because, you know, we don't have a whole lot of suns left, David. The, the season's winding down here. So uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna focus a little bit on the, on the suns and the news and uh, in the last nine games, but... Uh, Go ahead and jump in before I explain the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I'm always keen to talk about the Suns if I can try and fit them in. And as you said, we're going to do a bit of an episode on, on the rest of the season, which is pretty short what's coming up for the for the rest of the season now and mm-hmm. uh, maybe lead into the off-season a little bit, which we'll be focused on, obviously, as the games dry up for the Suns. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about what we're doing, David. I think it's... I've never heard anybody do it before. I think it's going to be fun and people will enjoy it. We're going to give our favorite first round playoff matchups but only really as a structure for for going through each of the playoff teams and and just going through the, the entire rosters you know I've already done this so people don't have to listen to us do it but identify like who could possibly be free agents for the Suns that maybe we're overlooking we'll, we'll talk about the ones that everyone talks about but really with a focus on like who are guys that no one's talking about who we think may actually be fits on the Suns next year? Yeah, and it was a really interesting exercise to go through. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it soon. But, you know, even just thinking about how some teams are going to go in the playoffs and how it might affect, you know, whether they decide to bring certain guys back. You know, there's a couple of teams definitely on my list who mm-hmm. are almost on their last chance, I think, with, with the kind of their core. And bad results in the playoffs may result in a couple of guys being available for the Suns. So, yeah, I agree. We, we always try try and come up with unique ideas for the pod, and uh, I definitely think we've come up with them today, but a bit of news for the Suns before we jump into that, I think, Max. Yeah, we'll do the news. How about you do a little recap before we get into that even? Good idea. So since we last recorded, there was that wild win over the Pelicans, 138-136. to 136. God. <laughs> the, <laughs> the loss to the Bulls, 101-116, and the loss to the Pistons, 98-118. There's probably also a game versus the Kings, which is happening later today when I'll be on a flight, Max, and uh, that'll probably already have happened by the time this, this episode's out and, and people are listening to it. So that means the record will either be 17-57, and 57, or if we happen to beat the Kings, it'll be 18-56. and 56. But either way, we'll be last in the division, last in the conference, and second last in the league, Max. But I won't get into the tank race because we're going to kind of touch on that a little bit later before we jump into this playoff exercise, I think. Plus, 
as we mentioned, there was lots of news this week, Max. Yeah, we uh, we kind of got lucky with that. We were we were planning this podcast out on like Tuesday, and like, damn, what? We don't really have any news or anything new to talk about, and then and then everything happened all at once. Yep, very quickly we had the uh, GM <laughs> search rumor, and yeah. and then Ubre's news, unfortunately, and and then the Jimmer signing. So we should probably just jump straight into those now. Yeah, I apologize that we're not talking about Jimmer's forty point game against the Kings. It hasn't happened yet, so <laughs> we can't break it down. Um, but so here's the thing about Jimmer. I've had a lot of fun with this story, David. I, on Twitter, to me, it's just such a, it's kind of an insignificant thing. It just is what it is. They brought him in. He's a big name. People freaked out. Like, oh, the Suns are doing super shit. It's just it's so insignificant to me, David. He's not going to, he's going to play for nine games and then that's about it. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird one and, and definitely one which isn't worth spending too much time thinking about. We're, we're going to, you know, spend a little bit of time talking about it and what might play out and, and what it means for the rest of the team. But um, yeah, one that you can't take too seriously, I don't think. And yeah, when there's this little games left in the season and, and guys are dropping like flies on the injury front, you know, it's kind of one you've just got to laugh off a little bit, I think, as you said. So here's the one thing I'll say in favor of, not even the signing, but in favor of maybe Jimmer being better than he was before. Yep. And that's that, you know, the last time he played in the NBA was the 2015-16 season, I believe. Mm-hmm. And even in that span of time, from then until now, the league has changed a lot. One of the reasons Jimmer struggled is because he couldn't get a shot off. He, he was actually a really good shooter. Like, obviously, he's just a great shooter. He was 40% in, in, even in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't get very many attempts off, and I think in this in this new pace and space era, it will be easier for him to do that. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how he goes. You know, he's I'll have a little bit on Jimmer later for uh, our Did You Know segment, which is a mm. a bit of a clue for you and our listeners uh, coming up. But yeah, it's, in terms of how he's going to go on the court, you know, he's 30 years old now and and should know his game quite well. Obviously, Mm. coming from China, it's going to be a lot different to that. But it'll be interesting to see how the Suns kind of deploy him. It it sounded like Igor was a little hesitant to give him too many minutes too soon. But, you know, that kind of probably brings me to my question here, Max, and you alluded to it a little bit before. But how many minutes do you think we can realistically, you know, see Jimmer getting for the rest of the season? I think tonight he'll probably play very few, like you know, ten ish. Yep. But I think it's going to ramp up. I think it's he's going to be a twenty five minute ish guy. Uh, I don't have any qualms with that, really. You know, with with how little uh, there are if, in kind of NBA rotation guys on the roster right now that's healthy. He's just a, a, a kind of another healthy body, and mm-hmm. you know, probably my point there would be I I would hope that he's taking a lot of Crawford's minutes and not leaning into Melton and. And hopefully Tyler Johnson minutes too. He was upgraded to questionable for the Kings game. It'll be interesting to see whether he has played that one by the time people are listening to this. But I kind of want to see five or six more Tyler Johnson games. So hopefully the the Jimmer signing doesn't mean a, a total end to Tyler being ruled out, which hasn't happened yet. So I'm still a little hopeful, Max. Yeah, me too. I When the news broke, I really thought that meant it was the end of Tyler Johnson. Yeah. It just kind of felt that way. But I don't think that is the case because, yeah, the listeners question, well, it does sound I think he'll play again. Uh, I do think there's a decent chance now that Jamal Crawford will get shut down for the season, which, you know, obviously that'd be worthy of celebration. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think this means that we're not going to see a Kobo at all for the rest of the season. I think they're just deciding he's not ready. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and even Melton, I think. Uh, I, so do, you, do we want to get into the Booker-Melton thing at all? Um, I mean, we can touch on it. I think you probably made some sensible points on it, so that it's definitely worth touching on, Max. 
In the Detroit game, if, if people don't know what we're talking about, uh, Dwayne Rankin, Suns beat writer, reported that well, I don't remember the exact words. Booker said something like, "Hey, Igor, take his ass out of the game. Put put Ellie in something like that." Because Melton had stepped out of bounds twice. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, on catch and shoot threes, which yeah, you, you can't do that. But you know, here's the thing: these, these guys are all kids. You know, they're in a competitive basketball game. They get heated. They yell at each other. Anybody who's played sports competitively. At any level, even intramurals knows that you know tempers can flare sometimes. Mm-hmm. When Booker was interviewed after the game, it sounded like it was not a big deal. They were they were laughing it off. It's, it just really isn't. I, people should not make too much of guys getting mad at each other during the games. Yeah, I think we're just kind of conditioned to it as Suns fans of of over dramatizing some, some things like this on the court and and reading a little too much into things. I think, as you said, these guys are competitive beasts and emotions kind of flare up during the game and. Uh, as Booker said after the game, you know PJ Tucker used to do it all the time, and it it used to piss a a young Booker off, <laughs> even then when a vet was doing it. So yeah, not too much to read into that. But just on Booker, it, the Jimmer stuff, you know, you wouldn't think that it's it's too tied to Booker, but you know I've kind of got some priorities for the rest of the season, what I want to see and what I don't want to see. And I definitely, even though it would be going into the off season, I don't want to see another Booker injury. Like I would just love to see him go into the off season as this healthy Booker that we've seen in the last 10 or so games, Max, and be able to build upon that in the off season rather than, you know, starting from scratch again and, and trying to get over an injury before then building on his fitness base for the, for the next season. So Jimmer coming in, it, it takes some of that workload off Booker, I think. Uh, it takes some of the spotlight off him. And, you know, I just don't want to see those crazy minutes and crazy usages from, from Booker down the stretch. And as long as he's there and, and being used, Igor's going to use him. I think we've seen that a lot this year. It's Igor doesn't shy away from playing in 40 minutes a game to try and win games. So, you know, if having Jimmer and, and him playing 25 minutes a game, as you said, means, you know, a little less stress on Booker, then I'm quite happy with that. And probably my other priority there is, is Aiton. A lot of our listeners said, you know, I threw the question out during the week, you know, they'd love to see that 2020 game from Aiton. And a game where they surround Aiton with you know, more shooters. And as you said, Jim has always been a good shooter. There's, there's no problem with that. And it'd be great to see Aiton kind of surrounded by Booker, Jimmer, Bridges, maybe Dragon if, if his shot's going down and, and kind of see a game where they just run everything through Aiton and, and four shooters, Max. That'll probably happen at some point because the games, uh, the Suns have a lot of games left against teams that aren't going to be trying very hard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I can see Aiton really beasting on a team like that at some point. But uh, I, I do want to go uh, build off your Booker point because I, I just totally agree with it. The biggest disaster for me that this team could basically suffer would be Booker having like a, an injury that would affect him in this offseason. Yeah. It's, it's a really important offseason for him. He needs to really get stronger. I really build his body up. What I'll be looking for the most uh, before the season starts next season in you know, training camp preseason is what does Devin Booker's body look like? Yeah. I, I want him to just look like the most shredded, ridiculous beast ever. It, that's, that's how I'll know Booker realized what, what went wrong this season, and, and that'll prevent him from having these little knick-knack injuries that have just been the biggest pain. But uh, speaking of injuries, David, unfortunately we have to talk about really just the, the biggest gut punch of the season for me. Uh, it's the Kelly Oubre thing, man. I think there's no secret that you and I both absolutely love Kelly Oubre. <laughs> yep. We both think that his impact on this team has far exceeded his numbers. Mm-hmm. We both really want him to be a son again. And the thought that it's even possible he could have already played his last game as a Phoenix son is uh, it's, it's sad, David. It's not something I want to think about, Max. I'm hoping that uh, they're going to bring him up. I'll throw it out to you early here. Do you think we can read anything into it in terms of 
them bringing him back and, and maybe having the structure of a deal that he's kind of comfortable or his agent's kind of comfortable in place. You know, a, a thumb strain, I, I note that, you know, he did have surgery, so it's no just innocuous injury that they've shut him down for the season for. But, you know, you would think that a thumb, you know, you might be able to play out the last 10 games of the season and then deal with surgery in the off season. So can we read anything into that at all, Max, around how the team and player are, are thinking about each other into the off season? I think it's interesting. I would like to uh, speak with somebody who knows more about this kind of injury. Yeah. Maybe like a doctor would be good. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if that's the case, if this is kind of more of the elective surgery because sometimes that can be the case right sometimes you cannot get the surgery or delay the surgery or whatever even if it's inevitable you need it yeah uh, and if that's the case then i think it's an incredibly good sign that the sons and uber already know where they're going with it because if he if it's elective surgery there's no way uber is doing it uh with rf with his restricted free agency coming up you just can't yeah exactly and, and i'm taking the the half glass full approach there and as i always try and do and, and hoping that there, there might be something there because yeah i think as you say we always see in the off season a bunch of guys go into surgery for things that they were carrying throughout the season obviously the suns don't have a lot of, to play for so getting that surgery done earlier is is definitely better we saw that in booker's case with the hand injury mm -hmm. uh, that, that took him out for training camp if he was able to get that done a little sooner it would have been great but uh, yeah, with Ubre's upcoming free agency, I can't imagine he would have loved shutting it down early. Maybe feels like he's done enough to, you know, hold his value in the market and, and with the Suns. But, you know, it, it ends his stint with the Suns at 40 games and, and 12 starts, Max, and uh, 16.9 points per game on 45.3% shooting and 32.5 from three. As you said, kind of did it all for us. 4.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.4 steals, and one block per game. So as you said, we're both very keen on bringing him back, and I just think the Suns need to bring him back. And you know, I did some stuff last week, both on what his contract might look like, and you know, we'll be doing more episodes on that in the future, I think, probably. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up doing a, a whole one dedicated to Ubre and, and why you need to bring him back and how that might look in the offseason, Max. You know, I'm game for that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll also point out that his March stats were 21 a game, 6 rebounds a game, 2 assists a game, 57.5 uh, true shooting. That's That's really good stuff. That's... That's secondary scorer ability stuff. Yeah. Second best score in your team stuff. And uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on on the Ubre thing for uh, sort of a sign that it may have been elective, a good sign, mm -hmm. is it wasn't like an immediate, oh man, this guy's out sort of thing, right? Yeah. He was out for one game, the Bulls game, and it kind of came out, and then he was, they lingered a little longer than they announced that he was taking the surgery. Almost like it was like they had a conversation about it, the sons and him, and decided, you know, it's, it's not worth it. We're going to bring you back anyway. Just get the surgery, sort of thing. That would lend credence to that theory. Yeah, it, it certainly seemed that way. That that was my kind of thought. But is Mikael Bridges probably the biggest plus here? He looks like the the only healthy wing <laughs> on the roster right now. Lots of people have you know complained about him not starting or not getting enough minutes. It's it's pretty much impossible for him to not do both now, right, Max? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I went to the Pistons game the other night, and uh, Mikael Bridges for parts of that game was just ridiculous. I, he really stands out in person as just, he's kind of a physical force just because of his arms. He is really a problem, man. And I think, he, like, it's almost, it's, it's interesting because I think he's, he's kind of getting overrated in some elements and underrated in others. And I, I think we made this point before, but 
he's just really underrated as a scorer right now, and he needs to just really exercise that over these last nine games since he has the opportunity to do so. I want to see him for times kind of not run the offense probably because he can't you know bring the ball or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I'd like to see him be with Booker sort of running the you know the, the offense as a secondary guy. He had another seven assists against Detroit, Max, and he's kind of making a bit of a habit of that. And yeah. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Igor in terms of putting him in situations to get those assists because he really seems to trust him now as a decision maker. You know, I highlighted the seven assists on our seven plays on Twitter, and, you know, there were some flashy passes in there, but there was probably two or three were just, you know, very standard assists, to mostly to Aiton, but a couple were on entry passes and things, which... You know, we've seen the Suns really struggle with in the past. So Eagles putting the ball in his hands because they trust him. And then he's, you know, he's doing things off the dribble and stuff that we didn't see earlier in the year. And, you know, you at this stage of the season, you're really looking for, for reasons to watch these games, Max. Yeah. A couple of them are, are probably bound to be pretty ugly. But as you said, Mikel is definitely one reason. Uh, a lot of our listeners mentioned, you know, it'd be great to see him have a 20-point game or something, you know, a bit of a breakout that kind of shows going into next year what they can expect from Mikhail as more of an offensive threat. And, you know, he's doing stuff off the catch. You know, he nearly put Andre Drummond on a poster, which just, you know, I nearly jumped <laughs> jumped out of my seat when I was watching the game at work because that was just something we have not seen at all from Mikhail attacking like that at the basket. So, yeah, really encouraging signs from him. And the injuries do mean that things really open up for him. And he'll be one major reason that I'm watching these, like, last eight to nine games because... Uh, you know, what he does on the court is, is great, and uh, he's really building a chemistry. I think all those assists that I highlighted, it was, it was kind of Booker, Melton, and Aiton in, in all seven of them, kind of moving the ball around each other, and, and that's kind of what you want to see going into next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what I, just, I kind of just thought of this while, while you were speaking about Mikel? The other thing this kind of does is make it less awkward for TJ to return at some point, doesn't it? Like, it was going to be really hard to fit him back into what the Suns were doing because everything was going so great. Yep. It would have to come with expensive Ubre to an extent. But now that Ubre's out, mm-hmm. uh, TJ can really kind of just come back in and, you know, get his five threes up for his bonus, as we like to talk about. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we might, I think it would be more likely he would have been shut down if this Ubre thing didn't happen. Uh, David, let's move on to the tank race really quickly. I was just looking at the standings. One thing that jumped out to me, Cleveland is now two games ahead of Phoenix. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I kind of assumed we were going to finish ahead of Cleveland with the way things were going. Mm-hmm. But now that we're just so barren, I'm not sure the Suns are going to win two more games. They might win two more games, but you got to think Cleveland wins at least one more. Phoenix might be kind of in the driver's seat for the second worst record. Yeah, it's certainly shaping out that way. I think, you know, we've noted before the the home stretch for the Suns is looking pretty weak in a lot of the the games that we're playing are against these tanking teams. So there's going to be some really ugly ones where each coaching staff or, or maybe front office has made some moves before the game to, to try and lose it. But the Phoenix, you know, looking at it more and more, uh, they're pretty much uh, guaranteed to finish in that bottom four now, even if they kind of won every game out from here, which that loss to Chicago really solidified that. Um, which means they're guaranteed for a 12.5% chance at, at number one. But as you said, way more likely it's going to be that top billing of 14%, which pick one, two, and three slots all get that 14%. Yeah, I would say even more than more than likely, it's like it's almost virtually 
happening because Chicago's four games ahead of Phoenix. Now I don't; they're not going to make that up. Yep, and I would have happily, you know, tried to win every game down the stretch. But you know, these injuries and things have have pretty much meant that there's an added bonus to, you know, losing these games going forward. I, I definitely didn't want to lose games. I thought that the Suns could still build on things, and they still can build on things. It'd just be with different guys and and the young core going into the off season. So wins aren't bad right now, but for every loss, kind of solidifies us not slipping back because I think, you know, we should explain in in the new draft odds, uh, they're going to lotto the the top four picks now. So can kind of mean if if you're in that one slot, you can slide back to five at worst. And and then the two slot, you can slide back to six and three slots slide back to seven and, and so on and so forth. So it does, even though the odds for, for number one and Zion, which we keep talking about, don't change in one, two, and three with the 14%, there, there is an added bonus by finishing as, as high or low as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although, and no, that is a very true point. I think in this draft, it's less important just because the <laughs> from four to like eight is the same damn thing. Uh, maybe not four to eight, maybe five to eight, because as, as I told you last night, I'm in love with Jarrett Culver now. So I, I think I, I have a pretty clear top four for me ahead of everybody else. But I think if you listen to what people have been saying about this draft, uh, not just in draft Twitter and, and stuff, but also NBA people, what I've heard, uh, you know, people like Sam Vecini, Kevin O'Connor talk to those people. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems to think it's just, it's an eye of the beholder draft to the extreme. Yeah. It's like once you, once you get past uh, Zion, John Morant, and RJ Barrett, it's just they're going to be wildly varying opinions on these guys. Big time. And I, I think I've seen a few people make this point. Even though with that being the case, the, the higher the pick, uh, the more value it's going to have in trades and, and more chances to move around in the draft. So yep. that's probably the more important thing rather than targeting a, a specific player. But you know, I'll throw a couple of questions out here, Max. You alluded to one just before. But uh, what would be your favorite non-Phoenix landing spot for Zion Williamson? My favorite non so that's tough. It comes there's there's a bunch that I like a lot, but I think it I think it's New Orleans just because it would be such an emotional ship for those fans. It really would. <laughs> It'd be nuts. And also think of like all of a sudden they'd be like they'd have so much leverage if they had him because they'd have like this really solid thing. They wouldn't be so worried about their team turning into a disaster and they could really I kind of feel like pick and choose their deal a little bit more. Yep, and I think I might know who you might mention here. I think you alluded to him before, but who's your favorite non-Jar Morant March Madness riser, Max? Uh, it's definitely Jared Culver. It, it, and also, he's if you, can, you can include John Morant if you want. Uh, <laughs> it's still Jared Culver. Man, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the, the highlights from the from the game yet, David, that you played. The, I did, Max. Yep. What did you think? He's just smooth. Yes. That would probably be the, the easiest way to explain him. You know, you kind of put him on my radar and, and mentioned that you thought he'd be the kind of guy that I'd like watching and you, you were spot on because I just love watching those fluid guys make the right plays, uh, really smart with the ball uh, and just smooth. If I had to put it down to one word, it, it's very easy with him. Yeah, he reminds you of a kind of an old school star. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he has like those finger roll finishes. He can just do things. He's not very athletic, but he makes up for it. But just like so much craft. I love him. I think he's going to be really awesome. And uh, if the Suns end up with him, I will not be disappointed. 
not overly flashy from what I've seen, but just kind of gets the job done, and all of a sudden he's kind of filled the box score, and, and you're spot on. That's that's the kind of guy that I love to watch, Max. Well, I, I think I've talked enough basketball with you now that I I, uh, I get your I get your takes here. <laughs> you know my type. Yeah, I know, I know your type. <laughs> okay, last thing before we move to Did You Know, David. Uh, there was a report from Mark Stein on the Suns' GM search. Apparently, they've reached out to Kevin McHale and Jim Paxson. <laughs> uh, both of, those are probably the bottom two names you could possibly come up with. Yeah, and uh, my take on it is even so. Some people were like saying, "Oh, maybe it's just a favor to agents or whatever." And my, my take on it is like, you know, the reputation of your organization, you know where you are right now. Even if it's not true and it's just a favor, like maybe make a different favor at this point. Yeah, th- there's not too much to touch on there, as you said. I, I would just say I kind of made these points on Twitter, but anyone who's not on there or didn't see them, it kind of just said that they'd spoken to Mikhail and were interested in Paxson. So you just never know with these reports. And as you said, the, the Suns should be in a position where they're doing their best not f- for those things to not leak at the moment because it's just a bad look. But uh, it kind of puts James Jones in the box seat, I think, because it, it feels a little bit like a fake search uh, that they're putting on and, and they're just going to end up with James Jones as the candidate. Because as you said, you couldn't come up with two worse GM candidates, I don't think. I think, yeah, I looked at it. Mikhail was the, the Timberwolves GM from 95 to 08, Max, and, and had a decent record, 533 wins and 511 losses, but had seven first-round exits with those Kevin Garnett teams. Yeah, it's reminiscent of New Orleans with Anthony Davis. Yes, very much so. And, you know, I kind of felt, you know, we saw his name around the coaching search as well. And, you know, maybe I'm giving him too much credit here, but I I kind of hope they're just mining him for information Mm. because, you know, he's a big man. So anything to do with Aiton is great that they can pick his brain on what, you know, he would do and what he'd love as a player. And then I think something we've mentioned before with the coaching stuff is, you know, he was the coach of the, the start of this Houston Rockets team with James Harden. So, you know, any clues or information they can get around building Harden and, uh, you know, in terms of Devin Booker is great information to get too. Uh, what information they're getting out of Paxson, I've got no idea. Uh, maybe how to draft number one because he drafted LeBron James, Max, but <laughs> he had a 185-307 record in Cleveland from 99 to 2005, Max. So uh, I think he lives in Phoenix, which is about the only connection he should have <laughs> with this GM search. Yeah, but David, he's a consultant for the Chicago Bulls right now who have been a complete and utter disaster for like five years. Why would you not want that on the team? Exactly. I feel like I, I, you might be right they're just leaking out names to, to pretend they're having a search and they're going to, you know, eventually appoint James Jones. But if they're going to do that, yeah. why not leak out some bigger names? Like Dave Griffin, you can leak out. Barack Obama. Like, <laughs> how about some big names? How about some good names that people get excited about? Not Kevin McHale. Max McCauley, maybe? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be a fake uh, GM. Search candidate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got to do on that one. Definitely. Uh, David, how about some Did You Know? Let's do it, Max. As you told me earlier this week, I'm not sure any Did You Know segment has quite been as obvious as this week's. <laughs> With the Suns signing Jim Fredette for the remainder of the season, it was only fair that I dedicated Did You Know to the BYU star for this week's episode. But Max, given most of our listeners probably know all about Jimmer 
and also given you saw this one coming, this week's Did You Know comes with a twist. You know I like to test you a little bit for Did You Know, but this week we are turning the volume right up on that one and the listeners too with the ultimate Jimmer Fredette Sons quiz. In seven (laughs) seconds or less... Tradition, Max, I have seven Jimmer-related questions for you covering his basketball career to date. Are you game? I'm terrified, but yeah, let's do it. All right, question one. Who said this in March 2011? Jimmer is so ridiculous, he will absolutely play in the NBA. He has unlimited range. I'm pretty sure that was at Maxim C11. It sure was. I did a little Twitter search with your handle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I came up with that beauty, Max. So a a nice, easy one for you to start off there. But Yeah. It's always good to start off with embarrassing me before going on the discussion. (laughs) You weren't wrong. He did play in the NBA and he does have unlimited range. So you were spot on. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Question two. Which name associated to the Suns right now does Jimmer have a brother of the same name? Is it Devin or TJ? Ooh, I'm going to go with Devin. It is TJ. Damn it. His brother is named TJ and, of course, gives us our third TJ link to the Suns, but hopefully we won't be mentioning his brother too much so we won't get too mixed up there, Max. But on to question three. Jimmer was, of course, drafted at number 10 in the 2011 draft. Not bad given Derek Williams, Jan Vesely, and Bismack Biombo were all taken before him, Max. Jesus. But here are the names taken after him in that draft. Clay Thompson at 11, Kawhi Leonard at 15, Nikola Vucevic at 16, Iman Shumpert at 17, Tobias Harris at 19, Kenneth Fareed at 22, Nikola Mirotic at 23, Reggie Jackson at 24, Jimmy Butler at 30, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic at 31, Chandler Parsons at 38, and Etwan Moore at 55, Max. But now to the question. Which ex-sons did I skip over at 13, 14, 40, and pick 60, Max? Well, there are definitely a couple of Morris brothers there. Correct. They're the 13 and 14. What were the later ones, the pick numbers? Uh, pick 40, which I'd be very, very surprised if you got. And then the famous pick 60. Oh, Isaiah Thomas, 60? Correct. Uh, and I don't know 40 yet. What's that? John Lua. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question four. Phoenix brings Jimmer's NBA teams to six. How many of Jimmer's other five other than Phoenix can you name, Max? Uh, well, he was drafted by Milwaukee. Yep. Uh, did he play? He played for Sacramento, right? Correct. Oh, God. What else did he do? Uh, did he ever play for Utah? <laughs> he did not, surprisingly. Yeah, it seemed like that would have happened. Oh, man. I don't know. Well, who else? He went to Chicago, okay. then the Pelicans, okay. then his home state, Knicks. I almost said the Knicks, yeah. I did, the other ones I had no idea. Yeah, and as you said, he was drafted by Milwaukee. I didn't list the Spurs, but he was on there for a hot minute, but cut before he played any uh, regular season action. Mm. Question five, Max. Fredette, of course, scored 73 points in a single game in China, but take a stab at both his college career high and NBA career high, Max. I'm going to say in college, he probably got to like 38. He had 52 against New Mexico. <laughs> did he really? He sure did. That's insane in a college game. Um, and then in the NBA, 28? Ooh, a little less. He had 24 for the New York Knicks. Okay. Bit of a funny Arizona connection here, though, Max. His previous game records before both of those 
He had 49 in college against Arizona, hmm. and he had 22 in the NBA against none other than the Phoenix Suns. No, oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, real quick, quick prediction. I think he'll set his NBA career high with the Suns. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, question six. Last year, Jimmer lost in the semifinals of the $2 million basketball tournament. Which fan favorite son was on his team? Was it Jack Cooley or Lou Amundsen? Oh, I love Lou. And I love Jack Cooley. Too. I'm going to go with Lou because I just love him so much. <laughs> it was Cooley. You, you're getting these 50-50s wrong. I'm doing really bad with these multiple choices. <laughs> I tricked you a little bit there. Lou was actually on the other team that beat him in the semifinals, mm. along with several other NBA guys. Jeremy Evans. Jerome Randall, Donald Sloan, Willie Reed, and James Michael McAdoo. So it basically took a whole roster of ex-NBA guys to take down Jack Cooley <laughs> and Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> wow. Question seven, finally. Jimmer has worn 32 most of his pro career. How many ex-sons can you name who wore number 32, Max? Oh, Mari Stoudemire wore it for a while. Correct. Um, did, uh, did Shaq wear it? Correct. Mm, I'm probably missing some obvious ones, but they're not coming to mind. You're missing a, a few old guys that I never expected you to get. Probably only one more obvious one is Jason Kidd from 97 to 2011. Uh, yeah. uh, the names yeah. after Shaq do not read very well. Taylor Griffin in 2010, <laughs> Brandon Wright in 2015, and Devon Reed in 2018. But for our older listeners playing at home and thinking about it and, and maybe got a few of these right. We've got Nate Hawthorne in 75-76, Ira Terrell in 77, Charles Pittman 83-86, to 86, Mike Morrison in 1990, and Nigel Knight 91-94. to 94. I am not afraid to say I have not heard of any of those players, Max. <laughs> I was just going to say, David, you could have just made all those up and I wouldn't have said anything. I would not know. <laughs> uh, bonus quiz for you here in, in seven seconds or less tradition. What number did Jimmer wear in Sacramento? Because Francisco Garcia had 32. It happens to also be retired in Phoenix due to a guy who has his own ties back to Sacramento, Max. There's a big clue for you. Oh, Kevin Johnson, seven? Correct. Mm, there you go. Now, finally, Max, it caught me a little off guard, but it isn't all that surprising that Jimmer is one of us, and I don't mean a Phoenix Sun. I mean a guy on the wrong side of 30. I know, I know. <laughs> And quite funnily, now the second oldest guy on the team behind only Jamal Crawford. With it being March Madness time, it got me wondering whether much of the Suns' young core would have even been paying attention to his record-breaking feats back in 2011, Max. Here are the ages of several Suns at that time in history. Booker and Bridges were 14, <laughs> Jackson, Okobo, and Bender were 13, and DeAndre Ayton and DeAnthony Melton were 12. Wow, that's crazy. As for Jamal Crawford, though, Max, he was the same age that Fredette is right now, 30 <laughs> years old and playing his 11th season in the NBA with Atlanta. Quite funny that these two are now the two oldest vets on the current Phoenix Suns, and Fredette may take Crawford's minutes, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. That's it for this week, and looking forward to jumping into some first-round playoff stuff and other potential new Suns, as you mentioned, that we can watch out for in the playoffs when the Suns are all done and dusted, Max. You really outdid yourself on that one, David. That was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think the listeners are going to like that one a lot. That was cool. Hopefully so. Okay, so as I said at the top of the show, we're going to do kind of a fun thing here, at least in our minds. We're going to 
first of all, give our our playoff matchups we most want to see in the first round. I'm going to give out the West matchups, and David's going to have the East matchups. Mm-hmm. And then, and then while we're giving these out, uh, the other person's going to take the players from the teams in that matchup and say which ones could possibly fit for the Suns in free agency or via trade next season. Yep. Spot on, Max. So hopefully that made sense. It'll make sense as we're going through it. Uh, David, how about you start with your least interesting first round East matchup that still is like one of your favorite matchups? I really tried to get four matchups here that, you know, had some backstory and and some storylines in there, but it it was really hard with this one, Max. The the funny thing of both the East and the West is the eights are, are pretty much locked in. You know, there's an eighth race in the East. Uh, I decided to go with Miami. Uh, I would have loved to have thrown Charlotte in there to to mention Kemba Walker, Max, but I just think Miami are looking kind of three games clear of them right now, and if anyone's going to challenge them, it'll be Orlando. So mm-hmm. my least interesting matchup is Milwaukee at number one versus Miami at eight, Max. That would have my call, too. Just the very fact Miami's in it makes it uninteresting. Yeah. Uh, but Milwaukee's fun, and uh, let's start with them in terms of the free agents. So I, I went through Milwaukee's roster. Mm-hmm. We're not going to mention the obvious guys. Everyone knows Giannis is not going to be on the Suns next year, so we're we're just <laughs> yes. ignoring stuff like that. So we're only going to focus on the guys who there's a possibility. So I'm going to start with the guys who there's really not that great. I'm just going to rattle the names off. You tell me if any of these guys you think there's really a chance. Okay. Sterling Brown, Pau Gasol, uh, Chris Middleton, Donna DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Tony, uh, Tony Snell. Any of those guys? Uh, maybe an outside chance at Chris Middleton, but I, I would very much doubt that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think we'd want him, but it seems like the way they've structured things, they're, they're planning on bringing him back on a, exactly. on a very large deal. Yeah. Uh, so here, so here are my guys who I think are actually possible. So first, George Hill. Yes, someone that we've discussed earlier in the year, and uh, you know, I think a common theme throughout this whole section of this episode is we need to be really realistic about the kind of guy that Phoenix mm-hmm. are going to be able to attract, and, and George Hill certainly fits a need, Max. Yeah, he does. He and he's, he's the problem with him; he's always hurt, right? <laughs> yeah, so you'd have to hope for a you'd have to hope for a nice, healthy season for him, but he's going to be pretty cheap, probably. Mm-hmm. I would guess. I, mean, I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of interest, so maybe somebody to go next to Booker theoretically makes sense. You know where he really makes sense max and this is a, a discussion mm. that's going on 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 sun's twitter all the time at the moment if you did draft a guy like jar morant mm. i would hope that it's not to start him straight away and and a guy like george hill makes a shitload of sense uh when you look at a situation like that yep that does make a lot of sense that'd be the exact role that you'd want him in next guy how about uh pat Connaughton? what do you think about him I like Pat Connaughton. He's having kind of a, a sneaky, underrated season with with the Bucks and a good shooter and uh, very underrated defensively. I think he kind of gives Booker some problems sometimes. He's got that that white guy reputation of, of being a bad defender when he definitely is not. Yeah, I like him as a spark plug on the bench. Exactly, the Suns need shooting desperately, and he's good at that. So I, I think it makes some sense there. Mm-hmm. Ursan Ilyasova, I'll point out, has seven million next season, and then he's totally, I think, totally non guaranteed or mostly non guaranteed the year after that. Yep. Not a bad fit next to Aiden, maybe? Yeah, I, I really dislike Ursan as a as an overall player. I've just never loved him, but uh, it, the fit there is definitely something you'd be looking for at power forward, for sure. And I think you'd rather have Nikola Mirotic, who we won't have to expand too much on because we talk about him like every single podcast. Yes. But uh, I, I think the reason why Elias Sova would be gettable is because the Bucks would probably rather commit to Mirotic. Yes. And uh, so that maybe that's what happens, but obviously you'd rather sign Mirotic outright if some, for some reason he doesn't go back there. Yeah, of course. If you're choosing between both of those guys back, 
backs against the wall, you're definitely going with Miritich. But yeah, Ilyasova's a nice shout. Obviously, there'd have to be a trade or something there, but it's good to mention some of these guys that uh, you can trade for rather than just totally free agents because we just keep mentioning the same names over and over if we do that, Max. That's somebody maybe you could trade TJ Warren for because the contract's way shorter. Yes, I like that. Um, and you could see Milwaukee really wanting TJ Warren for scoring punch. So that, that could make some sense in, in some sort of formulation of that. Yeah, I think Milwaukee's one of these teams I was alluding to it earlier. You know, I expect them to be fine in the playoffs, but maybe along with Utah and a couple of other teams, if things go really badly in the playoffs and they decide they need more scoring, that's where a guy like TJ Warren may actually have some value. Uh, on the trade market for a couple of these teams that uh, just need a scoring punch off the bench. Yep, totally agree. Uh, all right, let's go through Miami really quick. This one's going to be a lot shorter because this roster's a freaking wasteland. <laughs> guys who I think aren't real, but I'll mention real quick, Deion Waiters, uh, Derek Jones Jr. I just don't see Derek Jones coming back here and Deion Waiters like, ugh. ugh. Guys who I think are actual legitimate possibilities. Goran Dragic, maybe? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sneaky on the radar with him, you know, very much like Ricky Rubio, you know, they're mm-hmm. not amazing options, but just their ties to Igor and, and being able to just come in and run an offense. Again, when you're talking about a guy like Ja Morant, these guys, Rubio and, and Goran in particular has one year left on his deal, I believe, whereas Rubio, yeah, you'd be a, signing. Yeah, it's a player option, which you'll probably exercise. Yeah, whereas Rubio, you'd be signing outright. But again, if it's just a guy to come in and play a role, has ties to Igor, yeah, definitely wouldn't rule it out. Nope. And only other guy, because like I said, this is this roster's got nothing, is uh, Kelly Olynyk? His contract's not terrible, and he, there's some ways he makes sense like Steve. Yeah, a guy I've mentioned before, and probably another common theme that's going to come up is adding a power forward that you know may not be your long-term solution at power forward, or, or even the type of guy that you want to play next to Aiton long-term. You know, we've had some pretty lengthy chats about how you should be optimizing Aiton at his peak, but I think the Bender experiment has shown us at least the type of power forward that should be playing next to Aiton more shorter term. And I do think Olinic kind of fits that bill and, and can play some backup five as well. Yep, that's my thinking too. I think it makes some sense. All right, I'm going to go to my least interesting West matchup. Okay. To me, it's and it's, the thing is, it's the West, so they're all sort of interesting. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for, for me, it's Utah and San Antonio. Um, not really for any fault of their own. Kind of San Antonio I'm just bored of. Yep. Uh, but it's just because the other matchups I'll get to are just way better, so I kind of had to kick these guys to the side just mm-hmm. to have them away. Yep. Uh, so anyway, so let's start going through those rosters. Uh, you can choose whichever one first. I'll start with the Spurs, and I'll just throw two names at you. One that I don't love, but I'm just suspicious of, Rudy Gay is an unrestricted free agent. Mm, so that's in, that's like, a, the problem is he's a wing, right? And so it really, they'd have to move a lot of players for that to make any sense. Yeah, I just think the Spurs have been playing him a lot at power forward, and uh, his percentages are really good. I think he's having the most efficient season of his career in terms of his overall field goal and three-point shot. And there's a few guys on my list that are kind of wings, but you know, pseudo power forwards that I think would fit the role of the power forward a little better than even a guy like Kelly Oubre, you know, a bit more willing to bang with some of the bigger guys and stuff. So he's just a name that I don't overly love. But again, being realistic about who might be available to the Suns, that, that's a name. And another guy... Yeah, I like that one. Well, real quick though, uh, do you know how old he is? I, I, I slip my mind. I he's 32. I do have that down okay. as a so bit of a... a little a, old. Yeah. A one year thing probably. Yep. 
And then another guy who uh, I wouldn't say is realistic, but just going through the rosters has totally slipped my mind that he's that he's on this team, and that's Dejounte Murray. Oh yeah, so I think they're they're they seem to really love him. Yeah, but uh, if for whatever reason he was available, yeah, I'd, I'd be all on that. Yeah, they've got a bit of a roster kind of juggle and I mean talent having too much talent's not a bad thing but Derek White has kind of come into his own this season and mm-hmm. you know how they play that backcourt in the future I'm unsure but just wanted to mention DeJounte because you know we've had a lot of discussions about the ultimate guy next to Devin Booker and what that looks like and his defense and length and not over usage at the point guard position is is exactly the kind of guy that you would love next to Devin Booker or I would anyway he's a no definitely he's a definite candidate to be on all defensive teams very soon in fact I think uh draft like not draft but nerd twitter was like already putting him on it last season like that, like they think his impact yeah. is there. And Utah, this this matchup might be your least favorite, but Utah's probably my favorite team, and mm. a lot of it is down to Eagles link to them. But there's just some players on the team that I really love from a, a Phoenix perspective as well. I'll throw a random one out first before the obvious one. So Jay Crowder, I think he's in that Urson Ilyasova range of around $7 million. And as I mentioned before, Utah, depending on how things go in the playoffs, they could really decide that, you know, they have too many role players on the team and, and not enough offense and, and maybe interested in a guy like TJ Warren. And I definitely take Jay Crowder back. How about you? Yeah, that's a great call. I, I'd much rather have Jay Crowder than TJ Warren just because of the things the Suns need and also the contract length. And I can see Utah feeling the opposite way. So that, that's a nice one. Yep. Derek Favors has a non-guaranteed 17 million. I think one or two million of that is guaranteed for him. They could pick that up and then look to do a trade again with with TJ Warren and maybe some dead salary around the draft, Max. And again, he's not my favorite kind of archetype next to Aiton longer term, but what we've seen with Bender to finish the season here has really shown me, you know, you need another true big next to him. Favors has been trying to extend out to the three-point line, shooting a little bit from the corners and stuff. And as we've seen with Bender, he hasn't been shooting well at all. So I would look at a guy like Derek Favors, who's still only 28 as well, Max. I love Derek Favors as an option for this team now. I, I didn't feel that way before for whatever reason, but he's also, first of all, he's had a really good season. Yep. He's been awesome. And uh, also... I think if the Suns, if they're confident that Aiton can stretch out next season, shoot the three, then I think that fit is just really nice. Also, if Aiton's still going to be do the thing where he can't play, you know, it's a nine straight minutes a lot of the time in quarters. Yep. yep. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to take him out and leave uh, favors in and, and go kind of small with him as your big. So yeah, I, I think it's a really nice uh, marriage actually. Yeah, and I think yeah, my my note kind of touches on here. My last note with favors is you would be able to kind of walk away from a guy like Rashawn Holmes in a situation like that if he's got other offers elsewhere because, mm-hmm. you know, Favors essentially becomes your backup five as well, which is one reason why I absolutely love Derek Favors. It has worked for Utah in the regular season, but they've kind of hit roadblocks in, in the playoffs a couple of times with trying to play those two bigs. So that's a really interesting kind of why I'll be watching a series like this, Max, is if doesn't work again with Gobert and Favors, I think that they'll finally pull the trigger on uh, offloading him somewhere and, and trying to build properly around, I guess, Mitchell and Gobert. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense from both ways because I can see Utah moving on from him and Phoenix the Anderson. That, that's a nice one. Yep, and the last guy sits in that Miritich camp of uh, being Ricky Rubio, someone we've 
talked about quite a lot on this podcast. I'm cooling a little bit on him is probably the only thing I would say for Ricky Rubio, but people who listen to this podcast have, have heard us talk about Rubio quite a lot, and I'm sure we will again in some off-season stuff. Yeah, he hasn't played incredibly well this season, um, but he does seem extremely available. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. that's one thing about him. Yep. All right, what is your uh, second... Least exciting East matchup, Dave. My number three here, Max, is Boston and Indiana flipping. Uh, Boston winning home court, getting the four seed, and Indiana being the five seed. Just in relation to that, Max, I'll say they're one and one against each other at the moment, but still have two games to go. So that's going to be really interesting because they're going to be foxing against each other a little bit, I think, because they'll be seeing the writing on the wall with a possible first-round matchup. But, you know, the results of those games might actually swing home court as well. So they're kind of going to have to go all out in those last two games. And Indiana with Oladipo would have been awesome yeah. uh, to watch this series. But, you know, still the Pacers just are a team that don't quit. And probably my favorite matchup in this one would be uh, Miles Turner versus Al Horford. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and also, man, Boston's sort of a ticking time bomb. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that team could just explode chemistry-wise. I could absolutely see Indiana winning that series. I'll start with Indiana on this one because I actually found them surprisingly fascinating. Alrighty, let's do it. For, well, I'll start with the two guys we've talked about uh, a decent amount, the two point guards, both coming off the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Joseph, Darren Collison. Yep. One of those guys makes some sense, especially Darren Collison. Um, I think, I mean, he'd obviously just be a giant upgrade for the Suns at point guard. <laughs> yep. A little older, but that's kind of what they need there, setting presence. What do you think about those two guys? Yeah, I think, again, looking at realistic targets, uh, are two guys that we we definitely have to look at. I probably like Collison more than Joseph mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of a, a short-term option. I just think he's really reliable. And, you know, I haven't seen a hell of a lot of Indiana this season, but Collison's always played that kind of pseudo point guard role pretty well and isn't a big personality or someone that takes a lot of the ball and pretty good defender. So, yeah, I'd probably lean Collison between the two. Here's one that kind of jumped out at me as somebody I'd never thought about for the Suns before. And maybe he's not gettable because he's had another one of those guys who had a sneaky great season, and that's Bojan Bogdanovic. Yes. I think we brought him up somewhere in one of the a recent episodes talking about... Oh, did we? Uh, maybe I did in my own mind, Max. But <laughs> yeah, I think he's a sneaky, underrated guy and has been great on Indiana. And you can't have enough shooters no. in the NBA. And I think that's still something the Suns are slowly learning. And uh, he's probably on the wrong side of 30 or, or approaching it without knowing off the top of my head. So the contract, hopefully what I'm getting at there is a contract shouldn't be too ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love him as a player and he'd take a, a lot of pressure off Booker and willing to take the big shot and can kind of create for himself too. Yeah, he could do a lot of things. He's also not the worst defender in the world. He got this mm-hmm. he got this weird reputation for being a LeBron stopper, which he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's not a bad defender. Uh, and while you were speaking, I look at his age. He'll be 30 next season. Yeah, okay, so. there we go. Doable, but not the best. Looks looks a little bit older than what he actually is. Yeah, the hairlines can be tough. <laughs> Another one, Thad Young. Yes. Um, makes some sense. Yep. Uh, he's a banger next to eight. And he's a little older also, but really just a really solid player. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, again, we're not throwing out the massive names here and, and some listeners might be disappointed in that, but we've got to be realistic here. And uh, I've seen quite a few people bring up Thad Young and uh, I think he's a great name in terms of ticking a lot of the boxes of what, what you want next to DeAndre Ayton. So do I. I'm just going to mention two more names so I could see be on the team next year who I'm not excited about, but Kylo Quinn and Wes Matthews, it wouldn't shock me. They kind of make some sense. 
Yep, that's all that needs to be said on those. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's go to Boston. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a bomb. I wouldn't be shocked if Boston had, wants nothing to do with Hayward going forward. Yes. What they're trying to do. Yep. And uh, I could also see the Suns being desperate enough for like a big name to trade a lot for Gordon Hayward. So what you're saying is our uh, backcourt next year will be Jim Fredette, Devin Booker, and Gordon Hayward. <laughs> We're going to be the favorite team of Utah, man. <laughs> They're gonna like that. The Utah fans are gonna defect to us from the Jazz. Oh wow, that would be a massive turn in events. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's gonna happen or anything, but it would. It, you know, it's possible. Um, uh, here's the guys who I think are a little more realistic. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, we don't have to talk about him, David, but Terry Rozier. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Terry Rozier. <laughs> There's a lot of links there. We know that the Suns have liked him in the past. Whatever. Hope that doesn't happen. I'll make one note on Terry Rozier. We see a lot of negativity towards him. I'm definitely someone who has been very negative towards him. But I guess with seeing the the potential writing on the wall, I, I would just say as, as someone who has probably spent all season talking about continuity and situation and things like that is if the Suns do end up signing Terry Rozier, particularly with the guys that they've targeted recently all working out on the team, I would be negative towards the signing depending on how much the, the money value is. But I will embrace Rozier and, and give him an opportunity because he has shown flashes of being a very good NBA player. And I can't continue to preach opportunity and fit and continuity with everything that we talk about on this pod and, and then not give Rozier a break if he ends up being a Phoenix Sun and, and seeing whether the opportunity and, and the different uh, system and, and environment may change the course of events for Terry. Yeah, so before this season started, I said I was going to give Jamal Crawford a chance and it lasted about a, about, lasted about a quarter. <laughs> uh, so that's about how long it'll last for Terry with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm less patient than you are, David. Aaron Baines is my other name. We talked about him last uh, offseason, he's got a player option he might exercise, but I do like him as a backup-ish five, maybe even playing next to Aiden sometimes. I love Aaron Baines. He's a, a yeah, I know you do. <laughs> a, a token Aussie. Uh, was actually born in New Zealand for anyone listening that didn't know that, but we stole him on our national team. But yeah, how's that for a front line? Steven Adams and, and Aaron Baines for the New Zealand national team, Max. That's not bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's a good shout. And just touching on your Hayward point, uh, worth bringing up, maybe not to do with Phoenix, but yeah, I think he's not long for Boston. I think that's a great call. Yeah, me neither. Um, and then I'm just going to mention this guy. I have him in the, the surefire no category, but I've seen Suns fans hope for it. Kyrie Irving's not coming to Phoenix, guys. Just forget about that. Nope. Forget about that. All right, uh, David, I'm going to give you my third West matchup. Do it. This one is, I think this is a fun basketball uh, matchup. It's, it's Portland versus Denver. Ooh, uh, and there's also the Nurkic storyline, which is kind of fun because the Denver had to move on from Nurkic, and that was sort of a sour relationship. Yep. But just on the court, I think the offense on both sides would just be really fun. Yeah, I think that's a, a matchup that I'd really look forward to. Uh, watching it going through this exercise that when the Suns season is over I'm going to really look forward to watching some of these playoff matchups Max and and this will definitely be one of them let's get Denver out of the way because I find them less interesting than I do with the Portland Trail Blazers Mm -hmm. Isaiah Thomas obviously struggling mightily but could be a six-man option for the Suns and has been here before he's an unrestricted free agent be interesting to see how his playoff do go and whether he even plays at all Paul Millsap has a team option if Denver go big 
kind of trying to sign a big fish. You know, I think what we've seen with him next to Jokic, um, and he's been linked before to the Suns, he'd be an interesting power forward move for the Suns next to Aiton, Max. Yeah, I really like uh, Paul Millsap as his name. I hadn't thought about that, but that, that makes a lot of sense to me if they can get him on a short deal. And I, I think there is a decent chance Denver doesn't bring him back because it's a large old option they got on him. And one guy who's had a, a pretty bad season and probably won't feature in the playoffs, so I won't be watching for him, but kind of what happens might affect his restricted free agency, Max, and that is Trey Lyles. Hmm, I like it from like the shooting standpoint, and I think he had a good season, but last season he had a good season, right? Yeah, last season he was really good, and has kind of fallen off a cliff, and a bit of a logjam for the Nuggets, and he's kind of just fallen out of the rotation, but if you're basing And there's off... also the obvious uh, Booker-Lyles-Kentucky connection, play the same team. Exactly. So that's a name, but I'll throw over to Portland, because I find them much more interesting. Okay. Seth Curry's a name that you had last offseason, I think he'd be a cheap uh, guy that you could bring in as an unrestricted free agent to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jake Lehman Mm -hmm. is a restricted free agent. As a general rule, probably stay away from restricted free agents for the most part, but uh, he's an interesting name. Probably the most interesting name, though, is Aminu, who's an unrestricted free agent, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's 29 next year, so fits into that kind of little bracket, Max. Yeah, I actually thought he was a little older. That makes him more intriguing. Um, Alfredo Amino is a good player, Yep. Uh, and he also is a player who is a legitimate power forward. He can actually play that position. Yeah, he's that archetype of like, you'd call him a wing, but he's very much willing to play power forward and and pretty much does exclusively for the Trailblazers. He's a big wing, I I like to call it. Um, And then you mentioned Jake Lehman. I actually think that's a pretty good fit too. He's been... Like kind of like their offense in certain games this season. Though, <laughs> yep. so I kind of feel like they're probably going to bring him back. Yeah, it just shooting, 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 shooting is, yeah, is yeah. what this team needs. And probably my biggest storyline, much like with your Hayward one, I don't think it becomes a, a story for the Suns. But with this CJ McCollum injury, yep. maybe Portland are in a situation where they finally decide to, to split CJ and Dame. And you know, I think Dame is probably a trailblazer for life, at, at least not for oh, yeah. the next little while, whereas the rumors last year were maybe he was gettable. But I think CJ you know, maybe doesn't come back from injury. Maybe Portland do quite well and a couple of other guys step up and, and they decide to offload CJ Max. Yeah, I'll be surprised if CJ's on the on the Trailblazers of the year, to be honest with you. I think he's going to be traded. Yep. The Suns would be dumb to do it, but it wouldn't shock me because they do dumb things. <laughs> yep. It's just, it doesn't make sense with Booker to me, but it wouldn't shock me, so it's definitely worth bringing up. <laughs> yep, I agree. So my number two matchup, I think now, Max. Yep. All right, so I really wanted to get a Philly-Boston first round, but if you just look <laughs> at the standings, it's just pretty much impossible to happen right now. So here's what I came up with. I came up with Philly at number three versus Brooklyn at number six, Max. Yeah, that would be really fun because you could totally see Brooklyn getting up in that series and Philly going into panic mode. <laughs> yeah, all the I looked at the games for all of these series kind of during the regular season. Philly are up 2-1 with one to play at the moment, but they've all been really high-scoring affairs. I think would be a really fun first round matchup to watch, but Brooklyn could potentially go after one of Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris. So that's a nice little storyline mm. in in that playoff series. And probably, you know, D'Angelo Russell versus 
whoever they decide to try and put on him to stop him would be really interesting as well with that interesting starting five for, for the Philadelphia 76ers, Max. So, yeah, it'd probably be Jimmy Butler, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, they've got JJ Redick and as the kind of weak link, but they can probably throw any of Butler and Simmons and maybe even Harris at, at Russell at times. But what have you got in terms of players from that series, Max? Uh, I'll start with Brooklyn. I want to real quickly... We don't have to go like into this deeply. D'Angelo Russell, obviously, I early on before he like had this breakout season, I was all on him. Yep. And I think that everyone now would be not everyone, but a lot of people would be very interested in him being a son. I think it, you and I both made this point many times. It's only going to happen now if uh, Brooklyn wins big in free agency. Yes, you want Russell to be an unrestricted free agent, just the way that it works. Brooklyn are probably going to match anything, as you said, with how well he's played this season. But Phoenix would have to make a number of moves just to sign him to an offer sheet. And then if that gets matched, you've kind of cut or waved or stretched a bunch of guys, made some trades, kind of end up in that LaMarcus Aldridge-type territory, mm-hmm. but even worse. And I just can't see the Suns doing it as, as stupid as they have been in the past with some of these moves. They've been a little more shrewd recently. So, yeah, I think you want Brooklyn to hit on a couple of big free agents, maybe a Butler or Harris, as I mentioned, and have to renounce Russell's cap hold. Yep. And then then it becomes an interesting conversation, but only then, Max. Next one, I think everyone gave up on this guy when he signed an extension, but I still think if Brooklyn goes gets big winnings, say they sign Kyrie, for example, and Kevin Durant, they really win big. Yep. Spencer Dinwiddie all of a sudden is more expendable and maybe gettable uh, for the right deal. That's a really interesting one. As I was going through this, you know, the, the high-scoring games, as I mentioned, it was basically either Russell or Dinwiddie that mm-hmm. kept Brooklyn in the games against Philly, both scoring over 30 points. And good point by you, just because guys sign contracts it doesn't mean that they're not gettable in the future and uh, we'll continue to bring up non-free agents in this section because as I said you, you just end up talking about the same names over and over again if you just go with the free agents Max yep I'll now I'll go to the guys who are more realistic but I think less interesting and mm-hmm. we can talk about them together because they're kind of a similar role they would play for the Suns Sort of that big, that big wing role. Ed Davis, Ed Davis is kind of even like a real big. Yep. And then uh, Damari Carroll is the big wing kind of guy. He, he fits that kind of Jay Crowder archetype that I brought up before. And yeah, I think he's on the the last year of a deal or is he a free agent? He is a free agent, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so he's an interesting one. He's He's been decent in Brooklyn this year and had health concerns in the past. But yeah, I've always been a big fan of Damari Carroll. He would fit really well with the way that Eagle likes to play too. Yeah, weird career for him. I don't want to go too far into it because we're running out of time here. But uh, Damari Carroll was insanely good in Atlanta, mm-hmm. went to Toronto and was pretty bad, and then it's sort of resurged. So it's kind of hard to know what you're getting with him. <laughs> yes, very much so. All right, Philadelphia. First two guys I just want to do together because they're kind of you know the big fish. Butler and Harris. I don't think Jimmy Butler's realistic at all. But I want to mention because I think Suns fans will think about him. I just I don't see him wanting to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobias Harris. Normally I'd say the same thing, but there's been some weird smoke with a gambo and stuff about him. So I don't know. What do you think about that? David? Yeah, we've seen Harris mentioned a lot. So maybe in terms of max money guys, which we would have to make some moves to to free up. But mm-hmm. we do see Tobias Harris's name linked a lot to the Phoenix Suns, and as you said, where there's smoke, there's there's often fire. So I seem to find a, a hard situation why Harris would yeah. choose to come to the Phoenix Suns, particularly because he should have other offers for the same money. But uh, maybe if those offers aren't quite forthcoming and the Suns were willing to give him the full max, that might be a way that you see Harris in the desert. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's not impossible. 
Um, and here's the thing, though. Like you said, you have to create max space. I think Uber is gone if you do that. You, you have to. It, oh, 100%. Listen, that's worth it because Tobias Harris is you know near star level player, so you do it. Yep. Three guys from Philly. We'll go through quickly. Mike Scott, I think, makes some sense. Yep. For people who don't know who he is, he's like a stretch power forward guy. Makes sense to Aiton. Other guys, TJ McConnell, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona Connection, need a point guard. That, that's pretty obvious. Uh, and then J.J. Redick was tied to the Suns before. Would love to bring him in. Great character guy. Great shooter, obviously. Makes... All the sense in the world. To me. Yeah, both of those guys tick boxes there and, and have links back to the Suns or, or Arizona. And, you know, that stuff with Redick in the offseason was, was kind of weird. And it'd be interesting whether yeah. yeah whether we see something like that again or whether he thinks about coming to the Suns this offseason because he's, yeah, signed a pair of one-year deals now. Is, now's probably the time where he'd be looking to sign something a little bit more secure for his career because, again, another guy... Like us on the wrong side of thirty, Max. Yep, it'd be like a finish at your career, sail to the to the sunset sort of contract. <laughs> yeah. All right, my second favorite West matchup is the Rockets versus the Clippers. Storylines write themselves. Beverly going crazy against his old team. Chris Paul against his old team. There might be fights on the court. It would be something. <laughs> yep, I've got that as probably one of my most fun matchups to watch, and it's great that the the West is shaking out that way. That we're going to see one of those, and I've really only got one name for the Rockets. If you look at their kind of cap sheet, mm-hmm. guys are either there long term or uh, end of the bench guys that don't really fit with the Suns. But a guy that's been on the Suns before, Daniel House. I've, I liked him a lot, even when he was on the Suns. I remember that game against Golden State. He had like yep. he's a nice sized wing who has some talent. I don't really understand why the Suns gave up on him, and I think Houston uh, has used him well. Yeah, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, weird situation with his contract. Uh, I posted that video of uh, the Rockets broadcast team talking about him and the owner's relationship after the Suns game that we saw, actually. But, you know, he's short uh, sample size so far with him being back with the Rockets, but on the overall season, he's uh, shooting 41% on 4.53s. Perfect fit. Uh, in that Harden-led offense, and and therefore would be a pretty good guy to bring in uh, on the Suns as well, Max. And, you know, I'm predicting he's going to have a big playoffs. I think teams will scheme, obviously, for James Harden, and guys like P.J. Tucker and House and Capella are going to have to step up and and try and score a lot of the points. And I just think House is going to be one of those guys that makes some big shots in, in some big games, Max. Yep. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Clippers, Patrick Beverly, we've talked about quite a lot. He's 31 next season and would be mm-hmm. a, a great stopgap guy. Again, if you draft a point guard, Pat Bev can probably start and uh, be a great mentor for a point guard in the NBA. As we've mentioned, uh, I think previously, uh, he's been an excellent mentor by all reports for Shea Gilders Alexander. Yes, very much so. And two guys that came over to the Clippers at the trade deadline and are both unrestricted free agents. Jermichael Green, we've spoken about before, would be a pretty decent power forward fit Mm -hmm. on this team. And a guy who I just think is a real ultimate Igor-style player, and that's Garrett Temple. Ooh, yeah, I like Garrett Temple. He's underrated. He's a pretty good player, and I could see him being a nice upgrade for us as a bench. Score kind of guy. can handle a bit you know pretty good distributor always has decent assist numbers and uh, can score a little bit too as you said and a bit of a knockdown deep threat he, one of those guys who you know his overall percentages aren't amazing but you know maybe every time he plays the Suns he seems to light it up from three so I've always liked Garrett Temple and as I said I just see him as a real Igor style player Max yeah he's one of those jack of all trade guys who's like not very good at anything and isn't like athletic overpowering so you kind of forget about him but he is like a solid NBA player and like everywhere. Which is exactly the kind of guys that Phoenix should be trying to bring yes. in. 
Yes, yes. They need they need a lot more of those guys because they have a lot of guys who are not solid NBA players in a lot of ways. <laughs> All right, we're up to my uh, top billing in the East, I think, Max. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, this one's awesome. Toronto 2, Detroit 7. And it's awesome for quite a few reasons. Uh, Detroit are 3-0 and on the season against Toronto, Max. Wow, I did not realize that. I think Abaka missed one, Lowry missed one, and Kawhi missed one. But still, mentally, that is uh, very, very good. Toronto's playoff record overall obviously makes this series or any first round series that Toronto are in really interesting for this upcoming playoff run but also the link to Dwayne Casey Mm -hmm, who's now mm -hmm. the head coach of Detroit going up against his old team obviously 3-0 because he knows how to scheme for Toronto perhaps and pressure would really be on Kawhi and Toronto in a first round matchup and favorite matchup here Blake versus Siakam would be Mm. awesome to watch yeah that would be really good and another reason why I like this pick by you is listen the Bill Simmons theory from a long time ago it's the uh, if you have the best player in the series you can win the series and yep. Blake Griffin could be the best player in the series if he's if he gets onto a good uh, a good role he's really good yes He's been on a bit of a downward trend lately. I only know this because he has completely tanked my fantasy team at the pointy end of the season. But that's the kind of matchup, other than Siakam, you've kind of got that weird Gasol-Abarka thing and what they do with them. And yeah, Blake could cause all kinds of problems if, if Pascal can't handle him. Speaking of Mr. Blake Griffin, let's get to Detroit. Okay. I don't think it's likely in any sense, but if Detroit flames out, there's some problems there. They decide they don't want to pay the massive contract that Blake is currently being paid. Mm-hmm. Is it impossible that the Phoenix Suns, who have been linked to Blake before, are the ones who step up to, to bring him on? Hmm. He's, as you said, been linked before, and there's a gaping hole at power forward, Max. So mm-hmm. that that's a very, very interesting one. The ones who are probably less interesting, Zaza Pachulia. Ugh. I have to mention a sort of backup just because I think it, you know he's a free agent, maybe a backup center. Eagle connection too. Eagle, exactly, Eagle connection. Um, and then two guys who I think one may be more likely than the other, but both possible, Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith. Ooh. Every time I watch Ish Smith play, I think how fun it would be if he was our backup point guard. But Reggie Jackson, what are you, what are you thinking there? I'm thinking there that Detroit probably hates him. Because he's bad. <laughs> I'm thinking that the Suns are effing desperate for point guards. Yep. And I'm thinking he only has one year left on his deal. Those are the, all the things that I'm thinking. The type of situation that might play out where, yeah, they don't get guys that they want and they've got to look to trades. I've said very consistently that I see Phoenix making quite a lot of trade movement this offseason. So, yeah, that would be uh, a stopgap, again, type option. And Reggie's been kind of good <laughs> uh it'll be interesting to see how he goes been. i haven't really followed his stats very closely but that's interesting yeah he's been he's been really good in that little resurgence that detroit have had and still has some frustrating games obviously but him and drummond have kind of seemed to have worked it out a little bit and blake's stats have kind of taken a bit of a backseat as a result but yeah it will be interesting to see them in the playoffs i'm, I'm kind of really glad they've made it because it'll be uh a good team to watch i think to see if it all capitulates or whether they can can rise to the occasion a little bit yeah, they kind of feel like a better playoff team than a regular season team to me for some reason. I can see them really being hard to play against when Drummond and... You, you have Drummond and Blake coming at you every single night for a series. That's that's kind of a lot. Yeah. Toronto. I So here are my two names here. These these are... I'm glad we saved these for last because these are like kind of going to be startling names. Yep. Kyle Lowry. If, if Kawhi leaves and this team goes full rebuild, 
Uh, I could really see them trading Lowry and the Phoenix Suns. I mean, if he has even like anything close to what he was like in his prime, he would be a wonderful fit next to Devin Booker. Oh, like amazing! And I think, as you say, if if Kawhi leaves, I mean, probably no matter how Toronto go in the playoffs, if Kawhi leaves, they're, they're pretty much destined to go that rebuild. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I think that's where a guy like Tyler Johnson's contract really comes into play. Yep. Uh, and you kind of throw a bunch of other stuff at Toronto and, and get Lowry across, because, yeah, that would be a, a pretty awesome backcourt pairing with Devin Booker. Uh, Lowry, again, wrong side of 30, if I'm remembering correct, Max. But Definitely, yeah. that's the kind of moves. that's the kind of moves that the Suns are going to have to make, and we've got to be realistic about this. Yep, and he only has one year left, so I don't think it would cost that much to get him. And uh, also, like, you know, if it's not working out, you're, it's only one year. Uh, other guy who is also another trade candidate who I think would be a surprising name for many to hear. It was surprising to me when I decided it's possible. Serge <laughs> Ibaka, David. Ooh, yeah. Serge has kind of been good. He, he had that brain snap against Marquise Chris. Yeah. Another older type guy. Um, but the Suns should be looking to bring in older type guys and, and proper vets because we've seen what you know, fake vets in Tyler Johnson and Kelly Oubre were able to do for the team. So imagine, you know, some more guys that just know how to play and can run the system for Igor and, and just not make dumb, silly rookie mistakes on this team could could mean the world. And Abaka's that kind of guy in terms of his three-point shot and, and weak side kind of rim protection is that, that perfect fit next to DeAndre Ayton. There's not too many guys in the NBA, so you can't be too picky. Yep. And if I actually believe that he was 29 as he's listed, I'd be much more interested. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe it. All right, David, ready for the final one, my favorite West matchup? I think I know what's coming, and I, I can't wait to watch this one. Yeah, it's really not a surprise. It's it's OKC Golden State, guys. That's It's not hard. Storylines galore. Yep, it's the obvious one. Uh, David, what about the players and the teams? I'll start with Golden State. We've obviously got to mention Kevin Durant because everyone wants to still hold on to that hope that he's coming to the Valley. (laughs) Uh, All all I'll say on him is uh, Quinn Cook's also a restricted free agent. and There seems to be a lot of stories that uh, wherever Kevin Durant go, Quinn Cook will go too. (laughs) Uh, We saw with their best friend getting... Uh, shot and killed earlier this Oof, week. I didn't see that. Yikes. Yeah, very good friends themselves and, and were friends of, of uh, that gentleman who lost his life. But it seems that those two are tied together in free agency. Two other names I'll throw out very, very quickly because we're running out of time. Jonas Jerebko is an unrestricted free agent. Yep, like it. Another guy that fits the Igor kind of system, I think. But he's 33, Max, which really surprised Oh, Jesus, me. really? Yeah. <laughs> so he'd be, wow. yeah, just a guy you'd probably bring in on a short-term deal. And a guy I've mentioned before, so I won't go on him too much, is Jordan Bell. Oh, I mean, I love Jordan Bell. Uh, I think they'll probably try to keep him because he's probably the cheaper end, but I do love him. So on to OKC. I'll start from the bottom. Patrick Patterson has a player option who's completely fallen off this season, but he's only 31 years old and, and would be a decent stretch for next to, to Aiton. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, he has fallen off. Maybe you try to get him a small deal. Hope he uh, resurges his career. Uh, Markeith Morris is an unrestricted free agent. Be interesting to see what he does in free agency but I don't think probably not come to the Suns (laughs) here's a big one for you and a big playoffs for him and I think I know the answer to this question but would you rather Nerlens Noel or Rashawn Holmes Max Nerlens Noel by a lot yeah yeah so he's got a player options a big playoffs for him particularly in a Golden State series you know a a big role to play I think so it'll be 
interesting to watch him and, and where he goes next year. My favorite here, and a guy who I believe is rumored to maybe come back for the playoffs, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens here. That is Andre Robertson. While you're talking, I thought about that. Um, the problem, the Suns just are so desperately needing shooting that it's a tough fit, but the defense is obviously would be awesome. Him and Mikel out there would be silly. Yep. Uh, so I like it. You know, OKC have had an amazing defense already this year without Andre, and maybe if they're in a playoff series, whether it is against the Warriors or someone else where they decide that they just didn't have quite enough offense. They already had a great defense without Robeson. They they might decide to to make a change and TJ Warren off the bench for them as a scoring punch could be an option that they'd look at. Uh, and their money's quite similar. Warren's got more years, and I, I would love Robertson on this team. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Also, uh, they wouldn't care about TJ Warren's years as much, you'd probably think, because they're capped out regardless. Yeah, So exactly. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, and I just want to quickly touch on your Noel point. I thought it was great. Um, it's, his player option's really small, so it'll probably just depend on how he plays in the playoffs, exactly like you said. And I can see him being like a breakout star of the playoffs and going somewhere getting overpaid and then not being as good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's prime for that, definitely. <laughs> Yep. All right, David, ready for seven seconds or less? Let's do it. Seven seconds or less is a segment where one of us asks the other three questions for which the other has seven seconds or less to answer and has not prepared. David, it's my turn to ask you, are you ready? I am. Which player that we've mentioned today's episode that you hadn't really thought about before is the most exciting to you for the Suns? Ooh, I think I'm going to go with Goran, Max. It's probably not my favorite in terms of like fit and who I would definitely target, but just reading the tea leaves a little bit and, and where Miami is situated... Uh, I just I could really see that happening, Max. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, for me, mine would be Aminu for you. I just never even connected those <laughs> Aminu with the Suns before ever. Interesting. Yeah, I really like his fit as a power forward. I think that's definitely one to watch. Yep, me too. Uh, all right. We talked about first round matchups, David, but what matchup out of the entire playoffs, you can pick any round, do you most want to see? Uh, that is a great question and, and something I mentioned earlier. I, I In the East, I definitely want to see a Philly-Boston mm-hmm. matchup. I'm not sure with the way that the bracket's looking whether that can happen. My favorite matchup in the West is probably your Golden State-OKC one, so I'm definitely going to be rooting for that one to happen. Outside of that... I kind of want to see Golden State and Houston go at it again in full health, mm. Max. I know that's boring to some people, but uh, I definitely want to still see that again. It's not boring to me because I think Harden's even better than he was last year. Yeah. And I think he'd be a massive problem for them. Uh, mine's probably Giannis versus Golden State. I just, I want to see that. I hope that's the finals we get. Yeah, me too. You know, you kind of uh, almost predicted my next question. At this point, David, <laughs> out of all the teams that are going to make the playoffs, who do you want to win the title? Who do I want to win the title? I kind of want Houston to win it. Mm, interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a bit of a Houston fan. I just really like the way that they've built things over the years. And, and last year was obviously a bit of a shocker. So the narrative of them coming back and beating Golden State would be awesome to see, for me at least. I'm not sure how much people love them outside of that. But probably outside of that and the storylines that go with it, a team that I've written all year is I, I would love to see Toronto win the NBA Finals, Max. Yeah, that'd be a fun story. Uh, I like when teams like that win, and that's why mine's OKC, because I, uh, I like teams like that winning. Yeah, who's? I'll throw it back at you. What, what, two questions. What's your most likely upset of these first rounds that we've gone over, and uh, who would you choose as a non-Golden State winner for the finals? My most likely upset, uh, I, I touched on it earlier, I think Indiana could beat Boston. Yep. Um, that's probably it for me. And then I think the non-Golden State winner, if I had to bet on it, would be 
Mm, that's tough. I guess I would bet on Toronto. Yep. No, actually, you know what? You know what? I think it's Philly. I think Philly has a really high upside if they figure it Ooh, out. Ooh, yes. That's a good one. Yep, I like that one a lot. Okay, that's it for us, David. Uh, last week I said we'd read out some reviews. We don't have very much time, so I'll worry about next week, if that's okay with everybody. Four guys in the U.S. all jumped on, and we're up to 65 stars, Max. So uh, shout out to Andreas, DJB. Blakers1328 and I Hate Tay West, who all gave us very positive reviews. So thanks, guys. And we'll read your reviews out next week along with anybody else who uh, who reviews. We'll, we'll put a whole segment aside for it. We'll read them all out. So My apologies, but I've got a flight to catch, which is why we're finishing this one up, Max. Yep, only reason why. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. It really helps us. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, Max, and I'm glad we could squeeze it in because we might miss next week with my travel. But I'm excited after this for you know we're gonna have plenty of draft free agency and and trade episodes once the season's over and i'll throw it over to you now max you were very positive about our wins to end the season how are you feeling now how many wins might we get in these last nine games uh probably nine and zero because of jimmer for that i guess Uh, (laughs) no not not good probably two or three yeah i think that's probably realistic now and uh we'll be all hoping the season's over by the end of it but as i said lots of exciting stuff coming up and, and we'll keep coming with episodes as we can it's gonna be an interesting off season thanks guys